The Sports Complex of the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Thursday, a Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. I'm jumping ahead. Wednesday afternoon, uh, some bad news for Texas football, but we'll get into that. Also, a lot of uh, good news in Texas basketball. A win last night over Cincinnati, their second game of Big 12 play. We'll talk a little Big 12 basketball. We'll get into some NBA as well. Get into Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Play some sound from Hookup with Ian Robbie. Get into that NFL and the playoffs and the coaching carousel and everything going on there. But yes, we will talk about the news coming off of uh coming out of Texas today as well. And uh your text messages. As always, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh if you guys want to drive the show, uh you guys always do. Whatever you guys want to talk about, uh, we'll talk about on the show, and uh, you know we'll get to the poll, we'll get to all the other fun stuff, but uh, whatever you guys want to talk about, questions, comments, concerns, as we say, you guys drive the show, I just try to keep it on the rails. All right. Uh, kicking off the show, uh, between leaving my house today and getting to the station, lots of news broke, so we'll see. It is the fun of an afternoon show, as you do get a lot of news breaking during your show. Uh, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Uh, we will get to the Pete Carroll news that came out today as well. We will get to that more in the five o'clock hour. Uh, but to start off the show, uh, kind of the biggest thing for Texas football fans, the biggest news in Austin right now is that Bo Davis has decided to take the LSU defensive line coach job, leaving Texas. He has been a huge part of Texas success in the past few seasons. Of course, you know, when you look right now at Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and having two great interior defensive linemen to have uh, a defensive line that wins the Outland Trophy and defensive lineman that wins that, two All-Americans, just a really good job by Bo Davis. We know he's also famous for the uh, Iowa State speech in the bus. I may have to pull that up for the 5 o'clock hour, pull that one back out. Uh, but we know Bo Davis is was – Big in this turnaround, big in the turnaround of the culture, in the turnaround in the attitude in the locker room, and all of that. Bo Davis is all for that. Uh, we get the report today that he takes a job. Uh, it comes kind of as a shock because we knew uh, a week or so ago he was that LSU was coming hard after him, that LSU really wanted to get Bo Davis to return there. Of course, Bo Davis is an alumnist, uh, was, a, was a star over at BYU, a standout athlete at BYU. Or, I'm sorry, not BYU, LSU. Uh, and so we know that since he was had ties there, that he saw his family over in that area, that he may want to go back, but then reports were that he was going to stay at Texas. Apparently the talks re, uh, restarted either yesterday or today, 
uh, the money got upped for Bo Davis, and then what what we're reading is the main reason why he has decided to take the job was that he his son is right now in a junior college. He is going to be trying to transfer up into a better school, and Bo Davis really wanted to coach his son, which is, I get, a respectable thing for a man to do. Uh, so he is apparently going that the rumor is that LSU is going to have him transfer in and he'll be a part of that LSU team. Something that Texas was trying to work on, uh, I don't know uh, if it's just because of you know the academic standards or if it's because of you know the the schedule of the schools. But for whatever reason, it felt it, it was believed that he was not going to be able to get into uh, the University of Texas until at minimum May of next year, uh, or May of this year. Sorry. So they would have been, he would have missed this semester, and I believe at LSU he may be able to get right in, and Bo Davis may be able to get him over there sooner. Uh, but they're working on that, and and apparently that's one of the main factors of why he decided to go. Plus, the money got upped. Uh, so it's a big loss for Texas, a big gain for LSU. Uh, we'll see if this hampers any recruiting. If this hampers, you know, we Alfred Collins said he was coming back. Uh, we, we know that Baron Sorrell said he's coming back. Some of these guys who are coming back that are defensive linemen, if those guys... Uh, are still okay if they knew if Bo Davis has talked to them. Uh, we'll see that in the upcoming hours and days. Uh, if there's any change in any of those guys' uh, opinions, we'll see. Uh, you know the, the the road that Texas takes now because there's not too much we know. We know that he is leaving, but there's not much else of you know Texas has not got their their short list of candidates out or anything like that. I'm sure they look, were already you know like any good program. I'm sure they were aware that it was a possibility and maybe a thought some of the, some of the guys uh, I can give you a couple names I don't know how how much either one of them are a reality but they're two names that I've seen floated around the Texas program before and so uh, I don't know you know they and look one of them is is more of a legacy hire and it's Frank Ogham he's uh he's currently the defensive line coach at Toledo he was in the NFL for a few seasons he was with Baylor before that uh, so I don't know if he necessarily has the pedigree that they're completely going for. He was a NFL defensive line coach, and you know Texas and Sark have shown that they will go and get NFL guys as well. Shard Choice was doing stuff in the NFL. Uh, Chris Jackson, wide receivers coach, was doing stuff in the NFL, so they they may go that route and try and get the best guy out of the NFL as well. Uh, but that's a name that you know is a possible choice of someone who's available right now or not. I mean, he's at Toledo. He would come to Texas. So uh, there's that one. And then another name that's been brought up that Sark tried to get before, and he didn't want to come. Uh, but, you know, the money talks, and it could be a point where they can go offer him a contract that he would want to come get. Uh, but Freddie Roach at Alabama is another name uh, that if you go into the SEC, if LSU is going to take your SEC guy, you try and take somebody else's SEC guy. Uh, he has, you know, the ties to Alabama and Sark. Uh, Jeff Banks as well, those ties. If you're able to bring in another guy uh, of that caliber who has produced a lot of good NFL talent uh, at, at Alabama, that's a guy, Freddie Roach, I think you're going to see at least at least they're going to be trying to talk to him. At least they're going to be opening up the phone book and going, hey, you know, any interest? You know, if we get you, you know, I believe he's making uh, just a glance of the stuff that I can see is he's making about seven hundred fifty thousand a year right now? Uh, Texas would probably be able to bump that up to a million if he were to come to Texas. Uh, is that enough? Would they? Would he want more? Would he want something else? Does he want more control? 
You also have to know that, you know, you get a defensive line coach. You were trying to get the best guy. You just got a linebacker's coach uh, in Nance, Johnny Nansen, who you gave the co-defensive coordinator uh, title to. And so that when that title kind of gets taken out, where a defensive line coach is not normally going to be your co-defensive line coach, but uh, another guy that, you know, maybe that feels that that defensive the defensive coordinator position or co-DC or whatever else to get that pay raise and get that bump. If that's out, that may be make it more difficult. But, you know, money talks at the end of the day, and we know that. And, and as much as it sucks that Bo Davis left, it does not appear that it was completely a monetary thing that LSU just came in and, and bid more. Uh, it appears that he really wanted to coach his son uh, and also to have his son, you know, go back to where there's more family in LSU and, and that. Uh, you wish the best for Bo Davis for what he's done for this team. Uh, it's unfortunate for Texas, and it's a it's a shock that no one wanted to see uh, going in to the uh, going your Wednesday afternoon. It's not a great Wednesday afternoon uh, way to finish out your week on a hump day to get uh, the Bo Davis news, but it is what it is. And Bo Davis uh, is moving on to LSU. Uh, we did get some good news for Texas yesterday that uh, the basketball team. We can get over our shock and awe that they lost their first game of the season to Texas Tech. Texas Tech, who did win again uh, last night against Oklahoma State, which is not its not a great Oklahoma State team, or at least we don't believe it's going to be. It's the Big 12, man. And the Big 12 this year, keep your eye on it, keep it going, it is going to be a very good conference. Uh, it, it's just its one of the best conferences, if not the best conference in basketball right now. So seeing, uh, you know, the loss of Texas Tech as much as bad and you're know, losing at home, you never want to do. Texas is able to respond, get out, get a big win on the road in Cincinnati in front of a fervorous crowd because, first of all, you're Cincinnati, you're playing Texas. That's going to get some people, and you know, playing a team that was in the Elite Eight last year. That's going to get some people out there. But it was also the Big 12 home opener for Cincinnati last night, and uh crowd came out. Crowd was into it the entire game, and it was a good game the entire game. Uh, Texas could pull away a little bit. We kept getting pulled back in. Uh, a lot of the things that were problems before did not seem to be the biggest problem again uh, today or last night. You know, the three, the perimeter defense got a little bit better. Yes, the bigs were playing good perimeter defense, and I feel like that's, you know, something that kind of gets lost. That at points they'll they'll blame they will blame the guards for not playing good perimeter defense. But who's the guy hitting the threes? Uh, a lot of them were coming uh, from Lukosius, who's a forward. That's not necessarily the guard's responsibility to get out on him. They're going to be guarding their other guys, making sure they don't cut to the basket. He ends up going three for six. Uh, Josh Reed goes two for two uh, from three-point land. The only real guys who make a big impact uh, from three-point land. Uh, Victor Lankin, uh, who also he played a really good game. It did feel like he was getting tired more and more as the game went on. He played a really, really good first half, but I think they matched up with him pretty well in the second half. But the story of the game for Texas is Dylan DeSue. Dylan DeSue, uh, Caden Shedrick came out, was not in the game because of back spasms, so it meant that Dylan DeSue gets re-entered into the starting lineup uh, kind of earlier than expected probably. Uh, he's been on a minutes restriction. That was thrown out the window last night as well, as well as he was playing, and I'm sure he was telling uh, Rodney Terry that he was feeling good too, uh, that he goes out there, plays 33 minutes, 50 seconds, uh, which is, I believe, and what's funny, in the post-game interview with ESPN, that's the first thing he asked. He goes, how many minutes? He goes, how many points? He goes, ah, I don't care about the points. I get I scored a lot of points. I can see that. How many minutes did I play? Because I want to know, you know, if I'm on a 20, 25-minute points or a 20, 25-minutes uh, minutes restriction 
And how did I? I felt he. I, it must have felt like he played forty minutes. Uh, so he finishes with uh, just under thirty-four minutes, but goes out there a career high thirty-three points for Dylan DeSue in that game. Uh, he makes four three-pointers in there, and I know he only shot forty percent. He shot four for ten, but that stroke and his shooting is getting better. And with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more time, that three-pointer is going to cause problems because he can drive, he can pass, he can do all the things he needs to do to keep going. Uh, you know, not a great rebounding game, but not from anyone there because they just had some really big guys. They end up at route rebounding Texas 34 to 28. Uh, but, it, you know, they did shore up on the offensive rebounding, boxing out. That was a problem for Texas for such a long time last season. And they slowed it down. They slowed it down after an initial run where it felt like Cincinnati was getting every single rebound they wanted to get. Uh, but we saw that... Dylan DeSue comes out, and not only this is the thing, 33 points. I tweeted this out last night because I thought what was crazy is you say this guy put up 33 points in the game. He offensively was the guy who was getting you the ball to open places, finding guys, uh, being able to draw defenses, and then when he gets the ball in the right place, be able to score at a high level. He also had four steals in and three blocks, or two blocks. He also had that in the game as well where he gets those two blocks and four steals and just makes a huge impact on the defensive end of the floor. And what we saw is what he maybe doesn't get a ton of credit for and their steals sometimes, but he was just getting his hand up in the way when they're trying to get the ball down low. He was fronting guys and playing it really well and not letting the ball get into the post, whereas if you're getting beat with guys going down low and they were getting into foul trouble early on, guys getting beat, he realized he couldn't play back to the basket because he just – the way they were calling the game was making it too hard to play back-to-the-basket basketball without getting into foul trouble. So he ends up having to play more of a front defense, hope for the help defense on the backside, but he was breaking up those a lot. Uh, a great transition, a great change by Rodney Terry to kind of battle the uh, the the way the refs were calling the game early there where they were getting uh, Texas in a lot of foul trouble. Texas gets 19 fouls in the game uh, to to only 10 from Cincinnati, and it's it's rough when you're getting calls like that. But the really the key to it is they were getting gooder. They, I don't want to say gooder, better fouls than uh, than you want to get. I was going to say good fouls, but fouls where you're not necessarily sending guys to free throw lines in the double in the double bonus. You were not sending guys to the free throw line over and over again. Uh, they only get 15 free throws. Cincinnati does, and if you watch that game, that number stood out to me because it felt like they were constantly getting fouled, and you just assume they would keep getting the line. They didn't. Uh, another point I want to stick out: Max Aismas five assists in the game. Uh, you want to see Max A. Smith do what he kind of did. He does hit the big game winner as well, uh, just with a couple seconds left on the clock, gets himself open. When he finds space, as a guy as small as he is to find space, does a really good job with it, uh, gets open, gets a shooter's roll and a shooter's bounce for the ball to come back in. But what I was really impressed with, the five assists, and him playing off the ball a little bit better, and his, the better he gets at that, the better this Texas team will be because they did start to – uh, he would get hot for a little bit, and they would come over and get on him, and he was still trying to force shots. And, you know, he'll come off those screens, and he's a guy that doesn't mind shooting from the logo, which I know if he hits it always is great, but he's probably shooting 20% on those. So this is not a great shot overall. And when you, you know, if you're Doral Roberts and you don't have Dylan DeSue and Dylan Mitchell and, you know, Tyrese Hunter and, you know, I.T. Horton, that are guys that can go score for you. If you don't have those guys, then then you know I, I get you're taking those shots, but with the, with those guys around you, 
you know, I think what he showed and what he's starting to show more and more is the ability to get to the basket and the ability to get guys open by cutting and driving and moving without the ball and, you know, lowering defense away. And then when he gets the ball, finding the open guys because the defense is focused on him so much, not letting him get any space. I think that is him as a distributor, you know, is going to help his game a lot more. And all credit, it's the Spurs, but it's, you know, DeMar DeRozan, when he came to the Spurs, became really good at getting assists because he was the best player on the team, the best scorer on the team. And everyone just flocked to him on defense and he used it to get other guys open shots, and the Spurs won more games when he did that. That's for Max Aismas. You want to see him uh, use his ability to draw the defense and use that to get other guys' shots and trust your Texas teammates, and that'll go better. The only other thing I can notice for you, uh, just a stat that you may like to see if you're a Texas fan, uh, 2 of 9, 22% three-point shooting for Cincinnati in the second half. Much better defense. Ronnie Terry got the guys locked down in the second half. Uh, and Max Aismas, here's a little clip from the post game. And I think this is the biggest thing that Texas basketball is going to have to remember as they continue on this season. And it's something that, you know, I think in non-con, you know, non-conference games, it wasn't necessarily as big of a deal. They maybe weren't up for some of the games, but the games that they were supposed to be, they they should. But, you know, it didn't necessarily bite them as bad as it did. It did bite them against Texas Tech. Uh, here's Max Aismas post-game talking about the win. We'll continue to, to grow from it, um, continue to understand the intensity we have to play with. Um, you know, the big thing was, um, you know, open up Big 12 play. We didn't, you know, we didn't get a victory. Um, so it was really watching that um, and then seeing how we were going to respond. Um, so we knew it was a big moment for us. And, um, you know, the guys responded the right way, um, bringing the right intensity, you know, and playing a full, full 40 minutes. Intensity. Intensity. With Max Aismas brings intensity. And this is where the recruits, like, Kendall Weaver and Zerico Onyema and IT Horton, Max Aismas, those guys, Caden uh, Shedrick, those guys, what I don't think they know necessarily yet, and they know it to a level every basketball player knows it, but playing in Texas and knowing that whether you're the top team or not, people just want to beat Texas. The horns down is a thing. People want to beat you. They feel that you're entitled. They feel that you're getting the you know everything that you want. They feel like you're the privileged little kid, and they want to win. They want to beat you. And that intensity that you're going to have to bring every single game because every game is a rivalry game. And not for you, but for them. Everybody has that extra fire, and every coach in the locker room says, man, we can make Sports Center if we beat Texas. Even if they're the 25th-ranked team in the country, it's still beating Texas. And they know that, and they know what comes with burn orange. They know what comes with the horns up and the horns down. People know, and they're bringing their best shots against you. Cincinnati knew they were opening their home, their home opener in the Big 12. This is playing big boy basketball in the Big 12 for Cincinnati. They know that, and they're coming out, and they're going to go make a statement against Texas. But Texas was able to, after getting their butt chewed out for, having te- for, for losing to Texas Tech and not showing that intensity, to come out and bring some more of that intensity. They scored really well to start the game, but the defense and the power and the fighting underneath and the really the stuff that's never going to make it onto a box onto a box score and never going to, you know, it's it's forgotten about the next day, but the bruises aren't. Those plays in basketball, the plays where people think everybody's soft when you're trying to get a, a seven-footer with his elbows in your spine and he's trying to push around and you can't, and if you fall forward, he's going to get it and they're going to call you for flopping. But you've got to do that play after play. And when sometimes when you're 
you know, six five and and you got a six eight guy and he's a big boy and that's how he plays forward and he's coming up after you, those types of plays, those like that over and over again, that's what you have to do. They had to block out. Second chance point, Cincinnati at thirteen, probably seven or eight of those are in the first in the first ten minutes of that game. The intensity you have to bring that you realize everyone's going to come out there and go after you. Who was the one who kept saving uh kept saving Cincinnati last night? Jizzle James. And I know it's a hilarious name, Jizzle James. Hilarious name. But every time he came on the court, he brought Cincinnati's intensity back up. And Texas would get to, you know, would forget that they have to constantly, for 40 minutes, have the intensity that every game for Texas in the conference basketball for the rest of the way is a rivalry game. Maybe not for you, but for them. The only game that's not a rivalry game is going to be Kansas because Kansas doesn't care as much because they're Kansas. But guess what? They still want to beat you, and it's a rivalry game for you because you want to beat Kansas. That means every game, because Houston, you're playing Houston, who lost last night, that's a rivalry game for Texas. Every game is that way. So you have to treat that with your intensity. And if you're the one who's not getting up for the game, that's only going to serve to hurt you and put you behind the eight ball and then make you have to get back into it. And, yeah, Rodney Terry needs to get his team up for it. But the players know. Dylan DeSue knows this. Dylan Mitchell knows this. Brock Cunningham sure as hell knows this. Tyrese Hunter knows this. Those guys that are there, that have been there, that are part of it, they know. They know the intensity that comes after you, and they know, hey, man, no, I, I didn't get it at first either. I didn't think we were playing Oklahoma State. It was a big game. But for Oklahoma State, it was a big game because they don't like you, and they want to beat you. And you may not care about Iowa State, but Iowa State don't like you, and they want to beat you. You're leaving the Big 12. They don't care how you feel. They don't care about your feelings on the way out. That intensity that you started to bring, that you it wasn't just you hitting everything at the beginning of the game, that intensity you started to bring, that's what you need to continue to bring if you're Texas to continue on this season. That's the intensity you have to bring. A couple other notes uh, around Big 12. We said uh, Baylor does handle BYU. Uh, Jalen Bridges, a senior for Baylor, comes in, plays some big minutes for them, understands the game, understands how to get to the free throw line. They beat BYU uh 81 to 72, but both the number one and number two team in the country lose to undefeated, uh, unranked teams for the first time, uh, I believe, ever in college basketball uh, to lose to unranked teams, number one and number two, on the same night. Uh, for Houston, Iowa State played really good defense. His Big 12 is a beast. Really good defense. Iowa State wins 57 to 53. LJ Cryer, the transfer from Baylor, has a bad game, two for nine shooting, 11 of six, uh, or one of six. From the three-point, not great. They only had five bench points, was not able to get the the offense rolling. Iowa State wasn't necessarily shooting that much better of a percentage. They did get to the free throw line, though, and I'll tell you again and again, I know it sounds boring and it's not what everybody wants to hear. You have to get to the free throw line. Texas did a good job of not letting Cincinnati shoot too many of them, and they shot a horrible percentage, but that's what you have to keep doing. Iowa State shoots 18, hits 18 of their 22 free throws. Houston only shoots 12. You lose by four. You can't let somebody make more free throws than you shoot. You have to try and get to the free throw line. And, you know, that's something where a Houston team that wants to shoot some more threes doesn't want to go down there and get contact. That's the same problem. For Texas, the problem I have, Max Acemas is a guy who likes to bounce away from contact. When you're a leading scorer, when you're a guy who's supposed to be the guy carrying your team is someone that avoids contact more, doesn't necessarily get to the line, 
it becomes a problem. You may have to start doing that a little bit more as these as you start playing these really good defenses where nothing is for, for granted and you're playing the two best defenses maybe in the Big 12 right now with Houston and Iowa State. You may have to start doing that. Purdue also lost 88-72 to to Nebraska. They, they Purdue didn't play defense. Nebraska shot 60% from three-point range. Those are the type of things. Uh, Texas women's also... Uh, take, they take on TCU tonight. TCU Law lost their last two in Big 12 play. Uh, that game will be on 7 p.m. tonight on Longhorn Network. But uh, we're going to get back. We'll talk some NBA. But let's hit the big uh, fat poll of the day. Let's go to the text line, and let's take a quick break before we come back and talk NBA with you guys. Uh, let's hit the big fat poll of the day. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the Horn. 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, your poll of the day is a simple one. It's a simple one. I, you know what? I don't have any, I don't have any hot sports takes to give you today about uh, this, or any big questions. I didn't see anything. Uh, I'm just going to ask you, do you guys have any New Year's resolutions and have you kept them so far? We're 10 days in, guys. How many of you have kept your New Year's resolutions? If you have, tell me what they are and what you're doing. And if you haven't, uh, tell me that too. I'd love to see that in the text line. And of course, you guys drive the show, so keep the text line rolling. I see some. We've got some text in right now. I'm going to try and take a quick break. We'll come back, hit some of those, and uh, get to some uh, NBA talk as well. When we come back here on the Sports uh, sports Complex here on the, on the Horn 1019 and 60 the Horn app and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. Back in the sports complex here on the Horn, uh, playing David Bowie all week. It was his birthday on Monday, so we just playing some Bowie all week. Why well, need a better excuse to play some good music all week long here on the show? Uh, you guys on the text line, I appreciate you giving me some updates. Uh, I did not see the news as I was trying to do the show, and I can't get uh, updates as quickly. I appreciate all you guys uh, chiming in there. That uh, the big breaking news story of the day, it, it now jumps Bo Davis. It might jump Pete Carroll as Pete Carroll stepping down as the as the coach of the the Seahawks. Another seventy two year old trying to steal the trying to steal the spotlight. Nick Saban retiring at Alabama. Wow! So that name we just gave you, uh, Freddie Roach, the defensive line coach at Alabama, that may be more in play now, guys, for Bo Davis. You know, we'll see who they bring in and who their guys are and how much the coaching staff they keep. But that is a that is a seismic shift in college football that the goats is retiring, and I know people may not want to go with that, but I, I don't know of anybody else. At least in the modern era, we could say everything's different. But uh, you know, just what Nick Saban has done in college football is crazy. It's crazy what he's done and his stats. And I'll have to look these up. I clearly was not expecting to talk Nick Saban today. 
uh, so I don't have everything up for him. But, I mean, his accomplishments are second to none. And then you throw in the facts. One of the things I think for Nick Saban that's one of the most impressive things that he did is in a in a landscape where we saw so many coaches either you know struggle to adapt to NIL and to uh to the transfer portal and so many coaches adapt you know struggle to to find their footing and so many of them couldn't go into a world where they couldn't just be the disciplinarian and you know had to change coaching styles to deal with different generations to deal with you know I mean we we can look back at LSU when I mean people are on MySpace it wasn't quite the same as what it is now with everybody with cell phones and everybody having constant comfort you know contact to be really good at that level to then be really good at Alabama for the length he has been uh and, and to just be able to in stride without missing a beat continue to be dominant through two very different landscapes where we saw kind of a passing of the card from coaches who couldn't hack it in the new system to these newer coaches coming up that had a better coaching style or different coaching style, I should say, uh, and were able to do the NIL and were able to do the transfer portal and able to work into it to where the schedule just gets aggressive. And that might be part of this with Saban too. The schedule is just insane now to be at that level and be getting in the college football playoff. And then when he realizes that there's going to be that 12-team playoff next year. He just goes, I don't know how the schedule works anymore. I don't mind working, you know, 22 hours a day, but now i got to work 26. i got to keep doing this. He's 72 years old and doing it at this level. Uh, just a great uh, – he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. There's, I don't know if there's any real debating that, that he is the GOAT. Uh Impressive stuff. So, all right. So that also, you know, we asked you about your New Year's resolutions. Uh, Saban, anything you want to talk about Saban or the shockwaves you think that sends? If you think he's the GOAT, there's another GOAT for you. If you put him in that conversation, what that means to college football. Man, I'd love to hear your takes on the Saban as you're getting the news the same as I am right now uh, that Nick Saban stepping down at Alabama. I'm glad he didn't do the Urban Meyer and just hand it over to somebody. And, you know, legally, Ryan Day's having a good career, but. You know, I'm glad he didn't do that, but we'll see. I mean, apparently, well, we don't even know, though. We don't even know full, the full impact of everything. Uh, that news just being reported so far, I don't even think he's made his statement yet that he is stepping down. So uh, big news there from uh, Nick Saban that he will be stepping down at Alabama. Wow, that's big. That is big. Uh, let's talk a little NBA, and we'll get back to the text line, but I'll give you some time to text everything in 512-447-3776. If you want to throw those in, if you have any takes on Bo Davis, if you have a defensive line coach you want to see him get hired at Texas, if you got, you know, if you think there's somebody else, if you've got some takes on Texas basketball, if you think my take on that is crazy, send that stuff in. We're going to get into that uh, real soon. I might even open the phone line in the six and the five o'clock. We may do that as well. Who knows? Uh, but I do want to get into a little NBA talk. We haven't talked about it much this week. So to get into a couple things, uh, then we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and get to the text line and the phone lines and all of that. Uh, Draymond Green tonight it is big news. It, ABC is airing the Warriors game tonight. And Draymond Green is coming back from suspension after 12 games. He will be coming back after the punch to Nurchich and everyone in the NBA kind of asking the question, is Draymond Green finally gone off the edge uh, he then says on his podcast that Adam Silver had to talk about a retirement, that that's how far 
he basically got to the point where he's not able to perform at the level he used to. And he needed every ability he had to be the guy, you know, he could be, which depending on, you know, your love or hatred of him would put you in a different place of where he ranks in the grand scheme of basketball. But for him to be able to, uh, you know, he's coming back. He's now saying he's in a better place. He's trying to manage. We will see if he comes out in this game and, you know, how many minutes he plays. It's going to be interesting to see if there is a point where the other teams are trying to push him now, if people are continuing to try and get in Draymond's face and, and if he's able to control himself in that environment, I mean, that's going to be something you have to look out for now if you're Draymond Green, is that people now know that you're one punch away from having to do this all over again, that you're one punch away from a one you know knee to the nards or whatever else he wants to get into. Is Zion Williamson going to go after him? Is Brandon Ingram? I don't know if this is the team tonight that's going to be that team. That necessarily goes right after him and 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 tries to get. I mean, he's going to be playing another center uh, that could go after. But I, look, it's just interesting to see. I the the the, pun, the contemplating retirement thing is the craziest part of seeing a guy who, for his entire career, has basically said, "I'm the man," even when stats and evidence proves otherwise that he was never been a top three player on any championship team. And even though he claims it's his thing, he's I don't even know if he's been top four in a lot of those. Uh, he was kind of the fourth or fifth guy on a lot of those teams, and I know he he meant well, but to now he has to be the enforcer on a team with no teeth. I know you know we don't have a lot of wrestling people, but it's like when Arn Anderson was pretending to be was the enforcer for the Four Horsemen, but he couldn't take contact; he was he was too hurt. Come on, guys, need a Arn Anderson's the enforcer. We all love Arn Anderson, but you know you gotta have teeth if you're gonna go in there, and that's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see. And it's going to be on ABC. It's primetime television tonight is Draymond Green making his return against Zion. And Zion tends to disappear in these games as well. Does he go have a big game against a big guy in, in Zion? Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, if you did not see the news that John Moran is now out for the season as well, that's going to cost him a lot of money because he had the suspension and now is out for the season with a torn labrum. Uh, apparently no one really saw this coming, but he was kind of having some pain and he went to go get it checked out. He's out for the season. That now puts Memphis down. Uh, for the count. Uh, also on the news docket today, we got into Kawhi Leonard has signed a contract extension with the Clippers. There are ongoing talks with Paul George as well. The Clippers opening up their own building, moving out of to crypto.com or whatever it's called now there in LA. They'll be moving on out of that, starting their own building with Steve Ballmer, who's the richest in a, uh, NBA owner, I believe. So it, he should have his own building. Uh, but he is, uh, Kawhi signs a three year, $152 million contract extension, which is somewhat interesting because it's about $8 million less a year than what the max is projected to be. So somewhat surprising there that he took a little less money, but I guess that's because he knows he's probably got some other provisions in that contract that we will see. But Kawhi staying in the Clippers. Another piece of note. I, this is why we, we've let it pile up, guys. I've let the NBA pile up. Eric Spolstra gets a huge deal. Eight years, $120 million. Uh, I think this was Pat Riley's response to uh, to everyone who was saying that, that Spolstra needed to be gone or you should get somebody else to be a coach. Pat Riley has never really been that guy. He has been a believer in Spo this whole time. The note of why this is why this happened now and maybe not during the offseason was that the Miami Heat were allegedly waiting till Spolstra's divorce was completely finalized before they hit him with this new contract. So it is his divorce present 
Uh, Spolstra gets a eight-year, $120 million contract extension, the biggest contract extension in coaching history. M- Monty Williams really reset the market uh, to be able to have that, uh, to set that record that Monty Williams gets paid all this money and he's just has the worst team in the NBA right now, which, by the way, the Spurs are playing tonight. If you want to watch another fun game tonight, uh, eight combined wins between the Spurs and Pistons when they start the game tonight, 6 o'clock. Uh, it's the worst combined percentage in NBA history between two teams that have played at least 20 games. That is a crazy record to have. Uh, Cade Cunningham out for that game as well for the, the Pistons. It should be an interesting game there. Uh, if you missed some games last night, the Mavericks dropped one to the Grizzlies uh, with Ja Moran out. They they better, they they bonded around. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. out too. They bonded around. Uh, Desmond Bain, they basically just drove the hoop the entire time against the Mavericks team uh, with Lively out that had no uh, interior protection and no interior defense. And we're just able to drive to the paint. Doncic also banged up in that game, looked to be in massive amounts of pain the entire game, which meant he didn't play much defense. You kind of olay him and just run right past him. Uh, but he puts up 36 minutes. He shoots 9 for 21, does get 31.6 rebounds and 6 assists. But that guy needs to take a couple days off. Uh, also, big news, the, the Lakers get they get calls. They get a lot of foul calls. Uh, they beat the Raptors 132 to 131. Uh, if you, you know, I talk a lot about free throw disparity in this, and you need to be able to have it. Sometimes the refs help you out. They shot 23 free throws in the fourth quarter. Raptors shot 13 all game. It's not good when they've hit more than double what you've taken. You're going to lose that, and the Lakers still only won by one. Uh, it is going to be something that's going to be looked at as uh, that season goes on. Uh, one more note. Before we take a break, we'll come back and get to the text line, get to the phone lines. Uh, the Rockets and the Bulls play tonight as well. Dylan Brooks is out. Tari Eason is out. Zach Levine's a game-time decision. The Rockets have not been the same without Dylan Brooks. I hate to say that sentence because it gives more credit to Dylan Brooks. But, yes, they have been not the same team, so we'll see. They are actually a three-and-a-half-point dog to Chicago tonight, another game to check out. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll get more into Nick Saban, more into Bo Davis, all of your text messages, and uh, apparently a text message from somebody who believes I don't eat something. I'm a big guy, but I eat everything. We'll get into that. When we come back here in the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons only on the Horn. Back in the sports complex here on the Horn, playing some Bowie all week long on the uh, tribute to David Bowie's birthday is on Monday. All right, text lines open five one two four four seven three seven seven six. The big news today, of course, Nick Saban retiring. We also have the news of Bo Davis moving on to LSU. Uh, did not see either one of them happening today. Uh, text line. I'm going to tell you off the top because I, I know a lot of people have a lot of speculations. The man is seventy two years old. And I know we don't think of coaches anymore. You go, oh, he's 72. He go, I mean, like, the guy's been going nonstop. Nonstop. He took over Alabama in 2007. He was a 54-year-old man. 54 when he took over Alabama. 
54 working working all year all day that's fine but you get sorry not 54 56 56 my, my math is bad <laughs> 56 years old and then he 56 years old and then coaches there for 16 years basically i i bet he's probably had less than 3 weeks off in those 16 years like off off like in 16 years he's probably less than he's 72 years old let the guy appreciate it and i know we're all going to say it's because college football's terrible nick saban won with nil and transfer portal i'll tell you that uh first text says i bet patrick don't eat and i can't say the last word so you can guess what it is and you know what i'm a fat guy you'd be surprised at what i eat i'll just tell you that listener texter trying to trying to throw us off our game uh, Texas says saving retiring. He was so unhappy with NIL and transfer portal. I don't think that's necessarily it completely. I think he's he's made a lot of money. He's got investments in different things. He's seventy two years old. Sure, he doesn't like having to work, but I think the schedule is worse than like the the, the idea of NIL and transfer portal itself is not the necessary problem. The problem may be, well, okay, uh, we have to continue to raise money nonstop for this, and the schedule is the transfer portal opens while I'm in the college football playoff every year. And it just drives me to a grounding halt and I can't move because I'm 72 years old. And I haven't taken a vacation in, since 2000, since I got fired from the Dolphins in 2006. We get another save and retires. Uh, uh, we might get that. Uh, talking about the, the Freddie Roach hiring, the defensive line coach for Alabama. We may get that Alabama defensive coach, Nick Saban, retiring. Uh, Save retirement, guess NIL, transportal early recruiting is enough to finally enjoy a peaceful retirement. It's, I mean, and those are all parts of it. I, it's 72 years old. I think, like, you, people now act like the, the old level of coaching wasn't also hard. It was hard, too. A lot of guys just don't want to do it, and he's been going nonstop. I mean, he's not had a break in coaching. From, from going to be uh, a coach at... Uh, his first head coaching job is Toledo in 1990. He's in the Browns from 91 to 94. He's at Michigan State, 95 to 99. LSU, 2000 to 2004. 2005 to 2006, Miami. 2007 to 20, 2023, Alabama. That's a, that's a nonstop schedule as a head coach since 1990. That's a lot. That's just a lot, man. I, I, you know, I, I, as much as I get it, no one, no one has got to be a fan of of having to work harder with NIL and Transfer Portal, but he also was doing it so well. It's not like he was losing on it. He's clearly still winning at it. He knows how to do it better than most other people. I think the people that are getting mad about it are guys who can't do it. Dexter says, Charlie Strong, next Bama coach. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Look, Texas fans got to watch out. They're going to be calling Stark. We know that. I don't think Sark's going anywhere, but they're they're look they're negotiating right now with Sark. They're talking. Chris Del Conte's talking extension, and this news happens. You got to be going after it. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, the Alabama boy. Does Dabo Sweeney go over there and take over Alabama? That's what people thought for a long time until he struggled the last couple of years. But Dabo Sweeney's another guy who maybe go over there. Uh, Texter says maybe they'll hire Dumbo Fisher. I don't. I don't think Jimbo's going there. Steve. Steven definitely is the Saban is definitely go. Not Coach Steven. Coach Steven's never been the goat. Uh, Texter says Texas meaning the ugly stepsister of success. Top level attrition. Yes, it is. And 
it's not the it's a problem, but it's something that you can continue to fight. Like Belichick's statement was great everywhere except with my Cleveland Browns. Yeah, yeah. But you hey, Browns are good now. I am rooting against you guys. I am a Texans fan, so so go Texans. But but yes, I but the Browns hey, look, you they figured it out. You get a really good quarterback and then put him on the bench and get Joe Flacco. <laughs> get get that quarterback hurt and just play Joe Flacco. It'll work perfectly. Uh, average Joe definitely wanted me to know that Saban is retiring me uh, with uh, with several text messages. I appreciate you, Average Joe, trying to get that through to me. I can't I can't always look at the text line while I'm talking, or else I, I slow down a lot and, and lose my place because my brain doesn't work so good no more. Uh, Bevo Angel says Nick Saban is absolutely the goat of college football coaching. That's off to him for all his great accomplishments. I doubt anyone will ever match that today's. Uh, with today's NIL reshuffle conferences, 12-team playoffs. And we'll never forget how close we were to hiring to replace Mac Brown. Yes, that is a crazy story as well, uh, You know, which some people will dispute. Uh, every Alabama fan I have says it's all just contract negotiations, uh, but everyone I know uh, who tells the story inside Texas says that uh, that was a – that it was very close and that Mac put the kibosh on it. Mac, also 72 years old, still going out there and doing it, but he had a long break of doing TV. He had a pretty big break in there doing TV. Nick Saban never really did the break and do TV thing. <laughs> Jake Chan. Uh, Chan says Saban is moving to the ATX like everyone else. <laughs> I like that, Chan. Uh, and uh, says, I'm relieved Texas won. DeSue was a beast at both ends. Yes, he was. So with our bigs on the floor, we spread the floor and let Max drive and score and dish to others. Uh, yeah, but that's not necessarily Max's game as much. You do want to do that some but in reality, you kind of want to get him to move outside, get the ball to go down low, uh, have him step back out, move without the ball, and drag defenses with him so that you can't put a double team on a guy like Desu or Shedrick. Uh, that'll help you out a lot without him even having to touch the ball, but just drawing teams away, going to the other end of the court. Uh, but on some of those as well, you can have the ball, the big pass the ball off to him, kick the ball back out. Everyone basically collapses because now you got a double on a big and you got a good score with the ball. He can kick the ball back out and you get an open three. Those are just a couple of things, but a lot of different plays you can have. They don't all need to be him drawing to the floor. The six-foot guy, it becomes when he gets into the world of trees, even if you are spreading it out and people just play zone more on you too if you try and do that, uh, when you get in those trees, it becomes hard to see those passing lanes. So it becomes a little bit harder. Uh, to do that but I do appreciate you uh, texting in and we're the Kim Kardashian of college sports don't say that to us that's that's rude Chan that's rude that's rude uh, what happened to Bo Davis Bo Davis taking the LSU job if you missed that story earlier today I'll recap that uh, here at the top of the five I'll tell you what we'll go into that uh, we'll get into that uh, <laughs> coach prime to Bama I don't think coach prime is going to Bama either but those talks I didn't even think about that those talks will happen and Sark is getting ready to be paid I believe so I believe Sark is going to get a nice big contract extension out of this uh that I'm sure Chris Del Conte is one of the people least happy to see this news come out today I'm sure he is not thrilled about it maybe he's happy because they may be able to get another defensive uh defensive line coach out of it they may be able to salvage you know pull some of the guys out of staff recruiting wise you know, everyone is now going after Alabama guys. Anyone that was on the fence, now it depends on who they get, but you're not going to play for the, the GOAT anymore. That's off the table. Uh, would Kirby Smart consider Bama? No, and I've, I've, look, I've also heard the Kirby Smart to, uh, to the Falcons rumors too. I don't think that's going to happen either. I think if you're Kirby Smart, you're pretty happy where you are right now, and until they don't want to pay you, then you don't do, you know, until that contract negotiation comes up, 
and they start to lowball you and they don't necessarily want to give you that raise that goes to make you the top coach again and make you the top coach again uh, and just keep giving you those extensions. They want to give you that seven or eight year extension. And you're like, man, give me four and make me the highest paid coach and keep making me the highest paid coach. Uh, when they don't do that, that's when you might bounce to the NFL. But I don't see him taking a lateral move to Alabama. Uh, Georgia has money too. So I don't know. If I see that. <laughs> uh, does Nick Saban, uh, shout out to Nick Saban. We appreciate what you gave to the game. Goat coach. Appreciate that. Does Nick Saban try the NFL again? Nick Saban to the Raiders. I mean, he could go to the NFL as an advisor role or something like that. But I can tell you this, if he wants to stay at Alabama and not be the head coach and just be an advisor or something like that, kind of the, the, the coach Krzyzewski role with Duke, he could do that and still probably make, you know, two, three million dollars a year just calling recruits, you know, just going in and talking and, and um, you know, when they're hiring coaches to get his opinion, I mean, he could make two, three easy year doing that. So, I mean, that may be a place where he gets to spend a little bit more time at home, spend some more time with the grandkids or do whatever else he wants to do now. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I do not necessarily see, and I, if you're an NFL team, don't bring in a 72 year old head coach that has not done well at the NFL level twice. That seems like it's, it's set up for failure. <laughs> like, I don't want to be ageist, but 72 is very hard to start something completely new, uh, as an NFL head coach. It just seems difficult in today's stage. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get back to the text line. We'll get to some NFL talk as well. We'll reset with Bo Davis. And the big news today, man, two 72-year-old coaches, Nick Saban and Pete Carroll, both stepping down today on their own volition, but both stepping down. We'll get there, reset everything. Uh, when we come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.